Kettlebells are like skateboarding to me. The technique is part of the fun and progressing that technique and dialing that shit in is the mission. And you just right. happen to get stronger and move better within the mission. Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back, listeners. As always, Steve Opolinik, your host for the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Today's episode is episode 54 with our good friend Steve, Coach Fury Holiner. This is a great episode to listen to if you're a huge proclaimed geek like Steve and myself are. We get super deep into geek culture. We mentioned the Snyder Cut, even though that was... A while ago, it, it had just come out when we first started talking, and we get into depth on the importance of looking at exercise in a fun, welcoming environment. You know, Coach Fury's main goal with his gym, the Speakeasy of Strength, is to have a place for people to come and not feel overwhelmed, judged, or critiqued. Um, really trying to captivate the, the old sense of comic book stores or skate shops with the aesthetic of connection community and feeling like you have a membership in, in, in that community. And so we get in depth about that. We talk a lot about the pandemic, how it's shifted exercise into many different ways, how Coach Fury actually adapted the speakeasy of strength throughout the pandemic and really created a, a, a dynamic community to continue on in a period where a lot of people weren't feeling like connecting or staying in, in touch. Uh, Coach Fury was able to establish something really beautiful with this gym. So super excited for you to listen to it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the soothing sounds of Coach Fury. I even got him to speak in a high falsetto at one point. So look out for that. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Nice shield over there. Thank you. Handmade. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I did it for uh, Halloween one year. I went as Earth X Cap. Uh so just tore, well done. tore the crap out of my jeans and like tore up some boots and shaved my head and put an A on my forehead and <laughs> it was born. That's awesome. Welcome, man. Dude, likewise. Water, coffee, tea, cheers. Cheers. I got these. Um, uh, we, we, had, we had these made for an event we did. I don't know if you can see it, but 
it says self-care. Oh, and awesome. We, uh, we were doing a fill your cup kind of self-care uh, event where we had a bunch of people come in and talk and had different um, people come in and had booths to raise money for our nonprofit. So uh, I have like 20 of these left. So I, I constantly drink out of them <laughs> at the office. Well, hey, man, thanks for having me on. And uh, really sorry about shitting the bed on the last one. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. I actually have this. So usually the intro to the podcast, I, I do a separate one and then just put the our conversation in. And I always find it really awkward to do the, hey, welcome to the podcast con- conversation. So I'm going a different tack with you. Uh, Coach Fury, and I'm just going to read a list of your accomplishments that I stole from your website, oh, and I'm going to do my best announcer voice to do it. So bear with <laughs> is me. That, uh, is, is cursing allowed? Like, is yeah, there yeah. Any, any do's or don'ts? Okay. No, yeah. It's a, I think the, the, the one podcast that had the most cursing was with Danny. <laughs> when, oh, when yeah. That came would... on. <laughs> and he asked me the same question. I'm like, I can't tell a butterfly not to be a butterfly, man. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I actually do try to having in my own show. I, I caught that I was using it as a crutch, so I try mm-hmm. not to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my brain's been kind of running on high speed lately. Yeah. Um, that it, it, I've caught myself spewing it out a little more. That that whole New York City uh, state government vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, been hitting me hard. We'll get into that for sure. Um, but if it feels good, use it. That's what one of the models I have right, that I cool, just man. made up right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, let me and see. I, if sound, I, I sound all right for you. Yeah. All right, cool. I mean, if you could get more of a higher octave in in sometimes, you know, just if this sounds thing. better, yeah, I could do this. Make everything sound like a question when you finish. <laughs> Oh, that's a way to have a guest, an authoritative guest, and everything with a question. I think kettlebells are good for you. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right. So our guest today, we've already been talking, so I'm not going to edit a lot of this out. But our guest today is the owner of the Speakeasy of Strength. His motto is live long, stay strong, and die mighty. A master of original strength instructor. Master DVRT instructor, strength faction mentor, former Master RKC instructor, certified Indian club specialist, certified kettlebell functional movement specialist, TRX. I, it doesn't say anything else, but owner or instructor, skateboarder, <laughs> Godzilla fanatic, the one, the only Coach Fury. Welcome. And is that my obituary? Uh, two <laughs> kids, married, um, skate nerd, skate nerd. and uh, film major. So, oh wow, am I your first film major, major on here? Am I the first film major on the podcast? Yeah, you are, and I'm excited Done. about it because podcast PR, <laughs> podcast PR. Um, wow, we can get into all levels of that. Now, I haven't, I haven't watched the Snyder Cut yet, so we can't really dish on that. But I, I heard you were pleasantly surprised by it. I, I was absolutely pleasantly surprised uh yeah i I didn't it didn't feel i mind you i watched it from my couch throughout Mm -hmm. the course of a day uh but it did not feel like four hours i am not somebody that craps on snyder about everything 
Right. I actually like Man of Steel. I hate Batman vs Superman. Yeah. I love obviously 300 and I loved his Dawn of the Dead remake. So I'm a fan. Uh, I thought Watchmen was adequate. I don't yeah. I'm in the rare comic book fan that doesn't actually love the book Watchmen. Um I know people throw eggs at me for saying that. Yeah. Publicly. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really dug it and it was it's a very very different movie. Uh, so I totally enjoyed it. It is not Avengers quality, but uh yeah, I was like actually really shocked how much I enjoyed it. Nice. Right. And I agree with you on Man of Steel. A lot of people hate that more than uh, Batman versus Superman. But um, I mean, how can you really hate on Henry Bean without a shirt for most of that movie? I just so. like totally dug it. I loved Kevin Costner and, and Diane Lane as the parents. Yeah. I loved, um, man, I'm spacing on his name right now. The guy who played Zod actually lives not too far from me. He's a Brooklyn. Resident. Oh, wow um and i didn't mind that he killed zod spoiler he kills zod people got <laughs> pissed about it but you know like the movie's what eight years old now yeah you should have seen it by now uh but yeah I, I totally enjoyed the take on it i like that it was a bit darker i feel like yeah. we needed it especially i don't know at the time but yeah the, it's still no excuse for batman versus superman yeah for sure. i mean i could see like i've gone back and forth on the zod thing but i, I can see how like in retrospect it was setting up uh, certain things that Snyder wanted to do. And I, I feel like, you know, my personal take on Superman and it doesn't really have to influence anyone. It's just that there are some really good stories about him, but I'm not a huge fan uh, in general. Um, I think the way he was portrayed in, in that film, I really enjoyed. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's a lot about other than Batman. That's a lot about DC characters. Like, yeah. I mean, you have the Captain American shield there. I'm definitely I'm, I grew up an X-Men guy. Yeah, uh, I'm a Marvel guy through and through. Uh, there's characters that I like, but I don't know. I couldn't tell you like I, I know a few of the definitive, say, Green Lanterns, like Emerald Knights and all that stuff. Yeah, but, like I couldn't really tell you like the whole rogues gallery and all of that like I can in others. And I feel like that's pretty across the board with DC other than Batman. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's like a little bit harder to bring it in. Plus, like everybody's more used to probably the movies than the comic book, where initially, at least when the movies came out, us nerds were more about the comic books going into the movie. Right. Yeah, that's fair enough. It, it, it made us overlook certain things at, at times <laughs> just to yeah, have for our, sure. our lives up on screen and people actually appreciating it. So. So, yeah, man, like, I feel like this could be all about comic books, but I want to diversify and I'm sure we'll circle back to them relatively quickly, too. Um, <laughs> so I did a, a quick introduction, which I know is, is all in, instructor based kind of certifications and things of that nature. But I'm wondering if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about you, who you are, who the man, the myth, the legend is. Uh no man, no myth, no legend, but uh, uh, I'm a native New Yorker. I grew up in Long Island, um, basically found skateboarding, changed my life, led me to all the music and stuff, was always into like comic books and toys, um, super into movies and just skating. Basically, all that stuff is basically ruled and defined who I am. Like I could very clearly say that my sense of humor was designed from like the movies, top secret airplane and the police Academy movies. <laughs> um, and that sort of led me to the path. And then, uh, you, you know, just of just who I am and what I'm into and ended up going through roundabout ways through college, got into film school, eventually skated all the way through that. Um, 
did about 10 years in um, post-production as a producer, assistant producer, producer, executive producer, doing uh, producing visual effects, mostly for commercials and the occasional movie scene or short film. And uh, I guess in 2008, late 2007, 2008, my daughter was about six or seven months old. All these skateboarding injuries had taken a toll and I had gotten, uh, I don't say this in a shaming way, everybody, but I had gotten chubby and like my injuries hurt. Like I was heavy. I wasn't healthy. Right. I could go on a ramp and I could ride for hours and keep up with people 10, you know, 15 years younger than me. Uh, I was in my mid thirties at the time, but like, I just wasn't healthy. And I made the decision of, I need to be a strong parent. I need to be somebody that the kids can look up to, but more importantly, that especially as a skateboarder, you kind of, when you're young, you bash yourself into the ground, just going like, I'll pay for this later. And now I'm in the later, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I started working out at the local gym uh, two blocks away from me doing whatever I used to do in like college and high school. Um, Not really, I guess it was bodybuilding without knowing, not knowing good form, not knowing, but I worked out really hard. It's funny. We were talking about DC in the beginning, like the guy, Jose, who used to run the, he would literally open the door to me three days a week. Uh, at 5 30 in the morning and he he would be like what who killed somebody in your family what are you training for batman because i'd be there just busting my ass unnecessarily mind you not knowing what i'm doing but he was a comic book nerd and he would call me bruce wayne because i'd be there like just you know and i had my my pre-workout so i was like jittery on the old school jack (laughs) that i think had the meth on it you know i'd have my intra workout drink i was just doing everything um and then i blew my knee out skateboarding a few years into that adventure um two weeks after I signed up for the New York Roadrunners to start preparing for my first marathon. And I blew my knee out in a, in a pool called the autumn bowl. And I have a cadaver tendon since, and I knew that I was never going to want to run again. I just felt like that level of repetitive impact, especially coming out from, you know, Brooklyn in the city, it was mostly pavement. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to try martial arts. And as soon as I got cleared to try martial arts, uh, my friend and I tried out a place, a Muay Thai place. Um, I forget the name of the first one. And then we went to five points Academy and we fell in love with five points Academy. And I'm forever grateful for that. Um, because they had an amazing kettlebell program, probably the only place in the city that already had an amazing kettlebell program established. And at that point they were also one of the only spots where like Steve Millis was one of the owners was already an RKC level two, mm-hmm. um, I don't think anybody else was an RKC there yet, but there were a couple of HKCs and they were hosting. They were the only place hosting Dragon Door events, HKCs um, in New York at the time. And this was before the divorce and before the split. So not only did I have good in-class instruction from like Emily Bearden and Steve, but I was able to take an HKC there as a member because I just, I fell in love with, I've said this a a number of times, so I'm sorry if anybody else is repetitive, but... (laughs) Kettlebells are like skateboarding to me. It's one of the, so is DVRT and a lot of the stuff, Indian clubs, they're like skateboarding to me. The technique is part of the fun and progressing that technique and dialing that shit in is the mission. And you just happen to get stronger and move better within the mission. Um, I don't just set a goal to be stronger for the sake of being stronger. I also, now I'm not really interested in maximal weights at all. Like I'm not really, my PRs are sort of different challenges for myself. Yeah. But back then it was just like, how do I get better at this? And then how do I get to the heavier bell? And how do I get to the heavier sandbag? So I took an HKC to learn how to do get-ups and get swings out of my back. And that's when I found out about the RKC and 
basically you had this window of time. I don't know if they still do it, but if you paid say 500 bucks for the RKC, you could apply that full amount to, uh, sorry, for the HKC, you could apply that full amount to the RKC. So I said, you know what? I'm never going to be able to run this marathon. It makes no sense with my need for me to do that. Right. Um, but maybe I can prove myself on this weekend of the RKC. And this was back when like, it was mysterious and scary. Um, there was very little on YouTube about it. There was maybe like 10 people and maybe more, but like in my head, there was like 10 people certified in New York city versus the hundreds that are now, um, right. of either group, you know, again, there was only one, the one group at the time. And, uh, you know, it was, an, it's funny. It was an amazing weekend. I would never, uh, change it, uh, I passed but I would never do it again under the way that it was run. Like it was punishments. You basically, you know, if someone sat in, not in one of two approved seating positions, the whole room did swings or farmer carries around like a 20,000 square foot sports arena. Um, It was one of those places that had like basketball courts, two hockey rinks. It was like, you know, one of those giant places in Downington PA. And when you did our when you when you got in, you basically came in, signed in, weighed in, did your five tactical pull-ups, group introductions, a quick little warm-up, grab your snatch test bell, go snatch test with no education about how to actually snatch. Right. So you either passed or failed, regardless, that part within the first 30 to 45 minutes of the three-day weekend. And uh, if you failed, you were bummed the whole time. And you didn't have anybody really rooting you on and like properly, like, this is how you do it. Right. Um, and if you tore your hands, you had the entire weekend now with torn hands. And again, like I was like, I was in it. I was like, I'm best of the best. Like, this is a thing. Like it meant a lot to me and it still does. But man, as a grown ass man, I would never go through that again. Uh, and one of the nice things about when the divorce happened and the RKC and strong first split, both groups softened on that. Like it wasn't just the RKC, the RKC really right. distanced himself from that, which I love. Um, but even like our, I did a lot of assistant work um, in the early days of strong first. And even then like punishments became practical application, right? Like it was like a different, it wasn't as gnarly. Um, maybe you could wear sit in a third position or a fourth position, <laughs> like everything. You didn't have to carry your bell around. Uh, first days of the RKC, you had a, up until lunch, you had to carry your bell with you, including to the bathroom. So you had to leave it outside the bathroom door if you had to go pee or take a dump, um, that's the kind of stuff that like, I just, I don't need to be hazed. Um, right. Yeah. And I've never been in the military or first responder. And I would imagine that would be uh, relatively offensive if I had been <laughs> yeah. told to have to do that for, a, you know, an education course. Um, but I loved it. And so that just sort of opened. Everything started with the kettlebell. Um, uh, my friend Gavin Van Vlack uh, introduced me to Ultimate Sandbags and DVR, what was called Lift at the time. So I, as a visual effects producer, I was making good enough money where I could be like, oh, like sandbags, who, who made those? Oh, Josh Hankin, when's he coming to town? Oh, October, I'll buy the cert. And just would go to things that interest me um, with no plan on becoming a trainer. But it was on the path to the RKC that I was like, you know, all right, trainers can make an okay hourly rate. This is the myth, by the way, of trainers. Like you can make a lot of money <laughs> on an hour, like 100, 150 sounds like a shit ton of money on an hour. Right. But like how many hours are you actually going to work a week? And have right. like an actual life. Like that's the myth people don't always fall, you know, realize. So uh, I started training part-time at Five Points Academy. And then shortly after in May um, of 2011, I, I went full-time and just quit the other career and basically said goodbye to a shit ton of money. And I've been on the hustle since. Um, but because I only 
talking about me a lot, but because I was only really <laughs> interested, because I only focused on the things that I was really interested in and not necessarily what's a trend, I, instead of looking for more certs, I, I tried assisting at things. Yeah. So instead of trying to find like every kettlebell cert and Pokemon and collect them, I was like, let me try to assist at this one, at that one. And I got to work with and be critiqued by a lot of the best trainers, uh, master instructors, team leaders, all that. Um, I got to help Josh Hankin out a bunch. I got to help Tim Anderson and Danny Almeida in the earlier days of OS and Jeff Newport in the earlier days of OS. And that's what led me to end up having all of these, you know, uh, wonderful titles. It doesn't make me a better trainer or coach than somebody else or owner than somebody else, but it means I have like a high level of skill in those things. Yeah. Uh, but it's obviously not absolute in any way. Like I'm always learning. And that's like the exciting part, like a, like skateboarding. If you can go to the same curb 10 years, three hours a day, and suddenly you just approach it differently and do something yeah. um, or you shift your foot a little bit. And, and that's just how I feel this whole profession is. Uh, and so left five points to go to Mark Fisher fitness to try to get a little bit. I felt like I was in a little bit too much of like the hard style bubble of like, these are the approved coaches. These are the approved systems, you know, um, mm -hmm. only work with these people. And, the, and I just wanted to be more introduced to people like Cressy and Boyle um, and MFF was just a massive game changer, um, not just on the training side, but also on the personal development side. And then eventually, as I started teaching and traveling for certifications, I just, I didn't have any sort of quality of life left. I loved MFF with all my heart. I loved my independent training business, with my heart. I loved all these groups, but I had no time. I, I would be teaching, you know, uh, 16 weekends a year, not counting travel. Um, it just caught up. So uh, I left MFF to go out on my own and eventually started training people out of my living room where you are right now. This is the original speakeasy. And about a year into that, I started running out of a dance studio. And a month into that, I saw a space across the street was open and stupidly signed a lease in basically three days while my wife was in China mm -hmm. and opened a gym nine months before a pandemic. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I am very happy to say for, I'm so grateful for those nine months. We've got just enough of a lovely, loyal, mighty crew, yeah. um, small, but mighty membership that kept us afloat through this whole thing. And, you know, spring is in the air, vaccines are going in the arms and, uh, yeah. you know, like there's some optimism happening, which is a new thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it's, it's an exciting time and now we're talking and it's just cool to hang out with somebody. I, I want to give you a shout, sure. Steve. One of the things that my friend Tina Moore and, and I talk about a lot together, but also, and we, I have a podcast, the Coach Fury podcast, where we talk about this on this is, you know, the, the pandemic was very interesting because a lot of people that you might've looked up to suddenly look really fucking bad on social media. <laughs> yeah. We are like, oh, we can no. talk like, we can talk Snyder cuts and we can talk like kettlebells, but like now there's a divide and, you know, I'm going to wish you the best. Right. Uh, you, I mean, again, I'm not looking for, to be in an echo chamber, but like you're a very bright, positive person on social Thank media. You. And I think that's important. Um, and it really shined. And the funny thing now it's gone on so long that I'm trying to make sure I don't dip into darkness. And I've seen some people that I thought were really positive now sort of dipping into darkness, darkness mm -hmm. and being judgmental. Um, and, uh, so I want to thank you for, it, it goes noticed, um, I should have sent you a message. One of the things I started doing during the whole shutdown stuff was just randomly sending people message. You were message worthy and I didn't do it. So <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, so thank you for that. It didn't, yeah. it doesn't go unnoticed. And like coaches, like if you find yourself on your feed doing that, like it's okay to not like somebody popular. Um, okay. if you disagree, it also means it doesn't mean that they're necessarily wrong. It means you disagree. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of that. So yeah. now we're coming Definitely. out on this wave of optimism and the bright spot people, like I'm really excited to connect with, but it's also now I'm like, sort of like, oh, there are a few friendships I might need to like <laughs> yeah. reassess or mend, you know, now that things are balancing out. Um, Cause you know, I don't know a lot of, I think we all got caught with our pants down to some degree, but some people really didn't want to admit it and tried to put on like, I, you know, I don't know, you know, yeah. trainers with the line of scope with trainers used to be like clinician, physical therapist, or strength coach. Now it became clinician, physical therapist, holistic mental wellness and disease expert. And like, <laughs> I don't have any of those other, you know, like yeah. movement and strength I have, I'm not a clinician. I'm not a disease expert. I'm not a therapist. Um, certainly there's mindset stuff that we do. Yeah, um, for sure. But that got real interesting <laughs> it got, last year. It got very interesting. And I think um, it does kind of speak to that because, it, you know, I think there's parts to it, right? Like any kind of health and wellness has its part to play um, specifically and in, in paying attention to mental health. There's a real physical connection to mental health, right? Um you know, in the pandemic and being inside and being on screens, there's a real connection to that. But I, but I think like leave the heavy lifting for the experts and in, in that area, really tie into that beginner's mind, right? It's like, oh, I don't have to be an expert about this, even though I'm in health and wellness, I don't have to know everything. And I think that kind of alludes to like this idea of how some people do chase. I know you don't because you were just in the right part of the right time but some people do chase these certifications just because they feel like they have to know everything and be an expert in everything and, and be almighty in that sense. And I think there's a real, what I found is that instead of doubling down on some things, I really took the opportunity to stay, take a step back and be like, let's cultivate the beginner's mind. Let me, let me, you know, if I get called out or I get called in, let me listen to that. Let me let that resonate because it's important for me to do it. And I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot of ego management, right? It's the hardest part. It, I mean, it's really hard. It, um, it's, it's something I've actively been working on for the last four to five years is like, you know, I think I always tried to come across as a positive, friendly person, but like, I know with my own PR chasing and stuff, like with some of that was definitely goals to be proud of. And some of it was like, you know, check me out. Um, I'm a badass and I'm just not. So I'm giving up that, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's not my goal, you know, it's yeah. like reconnecting with the original goal, right? My original goal, be a strong parent. Yeah. That's it. I own a gym. I want to be a successful gym owner. I want my membership to, you know, my members to thrive. Uh, I'm not looking to be a big gym, but like staying with the goal. And I think what happens with fitness culture and to trainers in general is like, everything becomes about the training and not what are we training for like right. life outside of the studio. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like an interesting thing, but I, you know, like it, 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 I'll, I'll also say for the people that got dark, like I get it. We, this is uncharted territory yeah. for everybody. And, you know, in any sort of marketing, you know, you're playing on fears. I just think the pandemic brought up new real fears and then ways of marketing to them that like, I think we, we could overstep. So like mental health is a part of what we do, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone feels better when they lift unless they're yeah. lifting poorly and hurting. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's a nice caveat to add. Yeah. yeah you sure. know, and, and, and unless, 
very few people go to a gym or start a gym feeling awesome about themselves. So right out the gate, we're dealing with that, right? So I'm not being dismissive of that. But suddenly it went from like, you know, really heavy mental health, depression stuff. Mm-hmm. And my only real advice is like moving helps get outside if you can, if you feel safe enough, because some people still don't feel safe. Um, but like really see a, a, a proper therapist for that. Right. Um, it would be completely irresponsible for me to have somebody that is in a clear state of depression and try to manage that with fitness alone or by trying to just, I don't know, whatever I read in a Brene Brown book. Right. Um, <laughs> or you know, a podcast. Like yeah. Or a podcast, you know. Well, you know, um, Joe I mean, Rogan says this. Right. Um, and, and I think that now is part of it because I think we're seeing some scars of the fear and I have my own, I've been cold on ones. I've had people message me like, how are you so scared of this thing? I've had people say, just open up. You're literally a speakeasy. And, and I, I, I followed this thing by my heart, mm-hmm. by the hearts of my membership. Um, we were completely transparent with everybody about every step of the way, but it's hard because there's people now that like the numbers in New York are going down. Yeah. People are vaccinated. You can be outside and people don't, people are afraid to accept how safe you are outside. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the part now that like, that's not a gym thing for me to change. You might need to actually see somebody to get over this fear. Yes. The virus is out there. The news loves to tell us about the new strains. It's very real. I know tons of people that have been impacted by it. We lost our handyman by it. I, folks, I'm not a vax, I'm not a, a virus denier um, or, or, or vax hoaxer at all. Like this shit destroyed parts of New York. Um, I take it very, very seriously, but I can walk out the street when nobody's there without a mask. Right. Um, you know, the gym has been open for personal and semi-private training since September 2nd. We've had one active member come in, zero spread. I got on the phone with the Department of Health, spoke to a doctor about contact tracing, like, hey, what do you need me to do? They asked what our protocols were. They said, oh, oh, yeah, you don't have to worry because you're not in any way what we consider a threat of close contact. So we're still going through all the steps, but we put all these things in place. I've gotten tested probably 10 or 11 times, all negative. Uh, There's been zero spread at the gym. So like I now have in my own heart, actual data within my operation, not saying globally, not saying statewide, not saying nationally, that like we're safe um, or safe as can be. I mean, you don't want to take over as as head of, you know, the pandemic response. No, I don't know. I don't want any of that. I don't want any (laughs) part of, I want no part of government at all at this point. Uh, That's the other thing, right? Like in New York City, you know, I'm so glad Trump's gone. Sorry for any Trumpy listeners. Um, I don't uh, think we have many. So, well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think you're all Nazis. So I'll say that if there is one for the one Trump listener that might be on here, uh, I don't think you're all Nazis. But clearly, some of you were. Um, probably not listening to this podcast, though. Probably. But, not. you know, somebody was so excited when, and I, I was too when Biden was elected, but it was like, oh, I can finally breathe already. And for New York City in particular, but New York State, Overall, like it's democratic government that's fucking us here. Yeah. Like a thousand percent, we're a leverage item um, still being played to this day. Yesterday was the first day in 357 days, 300, no, longer than that, about 362 days for group fitness to reopen in the city. Personal training opened on August 24th and September 2nd. 
only in New York City was it kept closed by the mayor. And uh, it was another lawsuit that opened us up. And immediately on the news, the day gyms are opening officially for indoor fitness, uh, Fox News is saying about this new variant. And on the same day, trying to correlate it to group indoor fitness, as if somehow yeah. there was a correlation that this was already causing a spread or that gyms had been causing a spread when the metrics put us right at the threat level above agriculture. So it was gyms and farming um, in terms of threat, <laughs> like 25 and 26 of 30 industries. Yeah. That's been hard for me to deal with. So when we're talking about positivity on social media, like I'm trying to stay positive, but I've never felt less supported by like, you know, when you open up, I'm a new business owner. I, I, I never expected the city to help me per se, but I never expected our industry on a whole to be targeted right. as a false sense. And what most people don't understand is like gyms haven't been closed across the country. All of them have had check-ins. Like we're built in contact tracing. We all have sign-ins of some sort. And the numbers of threat across, no matter how red, blue, mandated, mass mandated, it's like gyms were not a big issue, uh, except for a couple of occasions where people were massless in close proximity in a crowd. Right. Um, but that's any business that did it. Um, it's just really bizarre. So I'm trying to stay optimistic through that. And I'm hoping that I haven't aggravated my membership because we have been in part of like some lawsuits now um, that like, you know, like, I want to be low key, uh, you know, but like, I feel like our industry, it's not just about the speakeasy. It's like literally the fucking industry right. standing up for it. And if I can help, I'm going to help. And I don't mean that in an altruistic way, but through this, a lot of people just stayed under the radar and that's cool if it's a survival mode thing, but it also doesn't help anybody. Um, right. So it's been a, a weird roller coaster um, where I'd say, I don't really fear the virus. I respect it. And I treat it, you know, I follow the rules and I treat it respectfully. I also feel extra pressure as an owner that even if I responsibly did something and got COVID, it still would look worse because I'm the owner of a gym. Um, so that's been a little anxiety inducing. Right. Uh, but, you know, we're coming on the tail end of it. And uh, I got shot one. I haven't posted it on Facebook, so I don't know if it really happened, but I did get my first vaccine shot. Yeah. Um, so in like, I guess another three, four weeks, I'll be able to go out. Yeah. I mean, it I mean, there's a, there's a lot to it. And I, and I think really the pandemic has been really an interesting point of contact because it, I think it does challenge the concepts of negativity and positivity and, and what I kind of term toxic positivity that's not talked about a ton is, is, oh, put on a happy face or fake until you make it kind of mentality, which is just, you know, as a mental health counselor and therapist, it's bullshit. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that we need to look at is like, look, there's not always a positive outcome, right? It'd be nice if there was a, a direct, oh, hey, here's a negative outcome, here's a positive outcome, which one do you want to pick? But I think there is always, and I'm sure my listeners are tired of me saying this, but there is always a generative outcome. And I think that is the key point of, of the focus of where we're at and how we move forward is that you know, we have to kind of connect to this idea that we do have a, a say in how we choose to go forward. And that's where the generative outcomes come, come in and the limiting outcomes also come in. If, if we don't recognize that choice, uh, we can choose to kind of do something to set us up to move forward. And I think in your case, it was having a loyal base and then also saying, okay, 
I, I, I don't like doing this stuff online, but let's do it for this time period and see how it works. And then, then you build off of it, you know, and for sure. Yeah. And, I think and, that's an and, important part. And, and we were, we were lucky that I've through those leadership roles that I've had, I've, I've, I've done online coaching for years. So it's always, it's, it's been on our banner since we opened, it's been on the website forever. Um, so our transition to virtual was, was super smooth. We were prepared for it, but you know, especially in that first month or two, you know, one hour online virtual session could feel like an hour and a half very easily. Yeah. But you also find ways to adapt to it. So like for us, we, we started going off of a big flat screen TV so that, you know, you could stand and move and see people better. And yeah. that helps because it feels a little bit more like you're in the room as opposed to sitting, you know, at the computer. And I think, you know, when you mentioned the beginner's mind thing, I think it, it was an important thing with this pandemic that, you know, to sort of reassess everyone's, your own business model, you know, everyone had that thing of like, okay, this is what we do. This is what we love. This is what the situation is dictating now. Where do we go where we can drive this to survive, but also build upon? And there's clearly so many unknowables. I mean, when we closed, I thought we, you know, I, I was on the pessimistic high end of my friend saying three months. Of course, it took, you know, a year. We're still at 33% capacity. But one of the things that I look at now and how we've changed so much of how the speakeasy runs and is laid out is I'm excited for everything we have in place now and virtual yeah. trainings not going away. If there's a hundred percent effect rate, yeah. uh, you know, um, of the vaccine or whatever, it just goes completely away. We have people that are going to train from home because they don't want to commute. We have people in other States that want to train from home because they want to train with us. So it's kind of awesome. And, and my gym is only 675 square feet. I only have three member stations and a teaching station right now based on the current mandates, but I don't think we'll ever have more than four because we're only, we're so small. So those screens are virtual real estate. Yeah. So they, they do, they allow my members, like our sessions will happen at the same time. So my members from home can still stay in touch with existing members and newer members that come inside. Yeah. Um, so they all get to stay connected because that's, that's the really other thing exciting, that we do, yeah. right? Um, but it also means from a financial output, like I can make money where if the state is saying you can only, I, I gotta be honest, the state's saying 33% capacity in our studio, that's four training stations. And I don't know how great I would feel at five right now. Right. You know, and right now the fourth one is a teacher station. I think if things with the vaccine change and we get one, maybe we don't need a teacher station. We demo outside and there's, so there's four things, but like at a certain point, like we were never meant to be like pack this place in. So we offer a premium service now. Um, I mean, we always had a previous serv service, but like people have more space yeah. and we've adjusted the pricing and people like, it's like, we're not exclusive, but like, there's just limited, right? Like, so it, it's like a limited edition in comic book world, yeah. right? Yeah. There's only a handful of issues left, a handful of stations. Uh, so I'm really excited on where that's going from. I've realized some like, you know, links in our systems and stuff that I'm still trying to dial up, but like, it really gave me a lot of time to think about like, how do I add more space? How do I think, make things cleaner? How do I market this? How do I draw people in? How do I keep moving? You know, how does this affect programming? Um, so there's a lot more hurdles. But once the systems are in place, like I'm happy where we're going. I don't have to, if, if Cuomo opens the city up to hundred percent capacity, I really only need to add in a station. I don't need to change much because right. I like where we are. 
Um, I don't know if you just heard my dog is whining. Oh, no, it's, it's okay. Um, do you need to check it out or? No, okay. it's uh, my, my wife is going to the chiro- the physical therapist uh, on her way home. And my dog is like, this is the time she would normally come home. <laughs> gotcha. So gotcha. Ramona's bumming because she's waiting for mom to come home. Yeah, but I mean, like to to get to that that point too. I'm seeing telehealth wise, I'm seeing people throughout the whole state, and you know, there's movements to open it up to hopefully because right now we're insurance based, we're limited to the state we're licensed in, right? So we can only without special permission from other states, we can only counsel people, and they have to be in the state we're licensed in. I could be in Florida and still counsel people in Massachusetts, but they have to be in the state for some reason so there's movement to to open it up more but it's been really awesome because i'm counseling we're in western mass i'm counseling people in boston i'm counseling people in the cape um, people i would never get to touch or that sounded weird touch upon their their mental <laughs> state um, people i never yeah. really get to see or get to know and it's been really generative for me because it, it's exciting to to connect to so many people and in so many ways. And I think that is one of the brighter generative things I've been really excited about is being able to do that. It's cool too. It's like when your members leave, they don't need to go and find another gym, you know, like they can still train. Like we've had people that, you know, um, one of our members went to Boston to stay with her mom, his Mm -hmm. mom for a while. Um, One of our members moved to Tennessee for a job and then just moved back to Ohio She's been training with us two to three days a week through this whole thing. Um, we've had some people that, you know, uh, my buddy Jack, who's like my longest running member, had a kid, like started the pandemic. We just started basically post rehab on a shoulder injury, mm-hmm. transitioned online. And then, you know, his wife's been pregnant and they just had the kid through the whole process. It's making great progress. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing is, I think we all got better at coaching and, you know, programming for at home. Um, You know, one of the benefits of the speakeasy was like we weren't, you know, our gear is TRX, bands, kettlebells, sandbags, Indian clubs. So it's all stuff. You could at least pick one or two of those to do from home. So it wasn't like our members were suddenly like, oh, but I can't use the squat rack or I can't use the rowing machine, you know, uh, especially in, you know, Brooklyn and Manhattan where apartments tend to be smaller. So it was really like a nice little thing we created. Um, And I've just been very open and communicative on the highs and the lows with my members, probably sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. Right. Yeah. But uh, I'm just not going to try to bullshit them. Like, you know, like there was a time when I was going to break mandate and open up uh, for personal training because it just disgusted me that we were viewed as part of the problem and not part of the solution at a certain point. Um, But you know, and I polled them and like, we, we got the support from people that I would not have thought would have supported. We never did it because quite frankly, you know, uh, we wanted to help toe the line for everybody and we didn't need to. And that's not like a virtue signal thing. Like maybe we would have made an extra thousand bucks a month, but maybe we would have gotten a fine. Maybe right, yeah. it just wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? So if I'm yeah. going to try to stand for the industry, I'm going to try to stand for the industry. Um, not that the industry per se needs me, but I'll, on a small level, I'll try to do my part. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's funny. I didn't realize that about telehealth because I, you know, I, I would have thought 
that that opened up pretty rapidly. Yeah. Like, hey, I was hoping because I, I had a, a couple people reach out from uh, different states and they're like, hey, can you can you do this? I was, you know, it, I would have loved to do it because, you know, they thought of me for counseling their kids or, you know, just touching base or having that ear to listen to. And I, you know, that's that's one of the things I love about what I do. Um, but, you know, I signed a, a petition and I'm hoping to kind of push it through. I mean, I'm not doing much. I just <laughs> signed the petition, so I'm not pushing it through. Um, but, you know, I really same, same on, you know, my end, I really want people to think more about this and say, okay, we have the technology. Now we can reach out to more people uh, who may not be able to do it. So let's do it. Let's, let's make it mobile. Let's make it moving. Um, a thousand percent, I, I, yeah. you know, there's, there's creativity that comes out of this. That's very exciting. And even when it leaves the home, you know, uh, I do feel for so many businesses that are closing, um, or have closed. And I think we haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg, like New York, it's, you know, they're opening more and more indoor restaurants and stuff, but like, you know, in New York, at least like you, you can't get by on 33% capacity like right. or 50 or even 75, hundred percent capacity to sort of make a little money. It's not a, a super profitable business that way, especially with rent. So I think we're going to see in six to eight months, like a lot more closures. But then with that, like maybe there's like finally the real estate market lowers and some places can start new businesses and those mom right. and pops that were like pushed out. Um, I, so I feel like, you know, if you look at like Soho in New York City, Soho was like, if you ever seen the movie, here's a film thing. If you ever see the movie Chud, cannibalistic mm. humanoid underground dwellers, <laughs> yeah. it is a movie where people are dumping toxic waste underneath like a, a, a church that is like a mission, like basically like a shelter for homeless people. And it looks like the worst part of a city you could ever be in. It's Soho, which is now one of the most expensive places you can right. be in in Manhattan. And not that I think things are going to backslide that far, but like, I think there's a possibility that if you hang in there, like there's some opportunity that might be around there. But like, you know, I also don't know, like, unfortunately, a lot of people with a lot of money still have a lot of money. And uh, I'm not one of those guys, but uh, I will be, you know, I am positive that it, you know, when it comes time to move the speakeasy, we'll, we'll, it'll be easier. Yeah. Um, but that could be naive. We're, we're not going to any place any, anytime soon. Our landlord's been super chill and, I, that's I awesome spot um I mean, yeah when paying our rent we've been lucky that way when i went out uh for the pcc i uh, went to new york and i got to do that with alan danny um there there was a spot i i went to for dinner i was staying over like over the bridge in queens so i walked that you know every morning it was really nice to kind of walk there and, and have that space before going to train and i went to who kitchen uh, big big fan of that place and i know they had to close down but i think they're still making their amazing chocolate bars so i think they're they're still surfacing there to yeah. to kind of make that going on but i i remember hearing about that and i was like damn so much of that but i, th I think you're right that creativity is going to keep a lot of these places afloat um in different ways in different markets and different shifting and paradigms so yeah, at some point, real estate in New York was going to have to crumble. Like, it's just, it got so unruly that you could be making like, you know, $250,000 and still not have money to go out on the weekend if you wanted to try to have a reasonable apartment or buy something. Right. Not, that I'm in, not that I'm in that category, but it, it, it got pretty insane. 
And, you know, one of the things, nice things now is like, you know, our Avenue is like a third Avenue in Brooklyn is not like a popular Avenue. It's like, we're right on the edge of an industrial zone, right on the mm-hmm. edge of, you know, neighborhood, but there's a lot of small, cool businesses like bars, restaurants, delis, the guy nice. who made our, our knit hats, aesthetics BK and like, everyone through this is starting to get to know each other a little better and trying to do shit for each other. And like, it's just rad. And I, I love it. And like, there's this fancy place that's coming in. That's going to be, you know, the sort of industrial complex. It's beautiful. I looked at spaces in it. I mean, it is beautiful, but they're trying to build like a microcosm of the Brooklyn neighborhood. That's literally a block away from the thing. Like why not be in the real thing? So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to rent here. Right. Um, because I'm in it. Like you could tell me about the fancy pizza place, but it's literally a block away from my TV. <laughs> so they're going to have basically like a booth at your place. It's not the same, mm-hmm. you know? And then, right. so there's that stuff. So I, I, I love that there's an opportunity to support the neighborhood um, because that's all I wanted to be. Like, I don't want to be a big gym. I don't want to be a big chain. I, I just want to be like, if it, I would love to get to the point of no marketing where just by referral only people go, where right. do you work out? And they go to the speakeasy. Yeah. Um, you know, like to- non-tourists, like when you go to visit a place, and you go like, where do the real people, where do the locals go? <laughs> right, That's yeah. what I want to be. That's my simple goal. Um, do I want Is a that... bigger space at some point? I would love to have 1,200 square feet. I would love to double, almost double my space and then just sit there. I don't need 4,000. I don't need 5,000. Yeah. Like, it's just not my goal. Um, so that's been really cool having that opportunity uh, to get to know some of the, some of the owners and stuff. Um no, that's great. And I think it kind of builds. I, I know I, on one of your podcasts, I was listening that the goal was to kind of replicate, you know, a skate shop or a comic store, things yep. of that nature, where, you know, when I heard you talking about it, it immediately just thought of like the Frog Brothers, right? Yeah. Um, and just <laughs> like newcomers coming in and they're in the comic section and like, oh, who's this? <laughs> you know, but with an, without that attitude, without, without the attitude. Well, I mean, it, to be fair, they did bring him in and kind of, but it was like, let's be honest. <laughs> and, and I've worked, I've worked at the comic book shop. I've yeah. worked at the local home video store. There's I've an attitude at, for sure. I've worked at the skate shop. I've worked at all those places. There is a fucking attitude about yeah. it. When you come in, of, you know, like the uh, high fidelity attitude of snob. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't want that because no. like, I can look at those places now and I can, you know, people, it's hard when like you're when, when you're older, but I think like uh, everyone can kind of almost remember the first time they walked into a skate shop right. or the first time they walked into like a real record store where it was like even not even tower, but like a, like a smaller place where you just knew the people looked cool and knew their shit. Right. Yeah. When you're young and you're looking up to them and just that feeling is scared, like you're excited, but you're also super nervous because, you, you know, you want to say the right things. You don't want to look dumb. You want to feel like you fit in. You know what? As grownups, that's everyone going into the gym. Yeah. And I don't yeah, want 100%. that vibe no. at all. So the opposite, you know, the, but the same. But you know, yeah, but I, I want people to to love it and 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 get that excitement. Cause like all of those places, you're just like the excitement is something new, right? Just browsing the aisles of a comic book shop and all the it's like as simple as it is. Look at all the look at all the bright pictures, right? um same thing at the record store like i'm dating myself but like you know at the record store like here's the metal section what's new what's the staff pick that evan loved you know and evan i like this last album that evan evan picked something new i'm gonna buy that shit yeah um the video store the staff pick you know they like seven samurai so they're suggesting this i'm gonna rent this i want our shop to have that appeal that when you come in 
there's also like a, a sensory thing as opposed to just the movement component of like, here, right. we're going to train because we don't have a lot of that anymore. Like you, who goes, who really goes to a comic book shop now, unfortunately, who goes to a record store? Like the, the art of the browse is a dead thing. You, you go on Spotify and I, you know, we do it at the gym, you go on Spotify and it tells you who you should like. Yeah. And then every now and then it nails it, but I want people to be able to come in and like get that feel good childhood feeling, but like in a totally accepted way. Right. Because there's no reason we couldn't have been accepted out the gate. Right. Right. Like it, why, why do we have to go through that step? It's We're not like, an apprentice. I'm not a paid employee I'm a <laughs> customer. Treat me with respect. Right. And let me nerd out here. I mean, it's almost like getting rid of that old timey sign with Wolverine that says, this is not a library bub, you know, that was in, in all the comic <laughs> book stores and get rid of that and be more accepting. And, but and, don't get me wrong. If you're touching the books, fuck off, like, you're not gonna <laughs> buy anything. Right. Like that is part of the thing, right? Yeah. Like, you no, have to sure. be, you know, there has to be rules, but like, I don't have to be a jerk about it. Yeah. And let's face it like the, you know, like uh, Wolverine's a jerk. Yeah. Wolverine though, man, Wolverine's my favorite. So I love it. I'm I'm a Wolvie guy from way back, man. I'm I'm, I'm with that. But he's the most legitimate of a jerk. <laughs> legitimately troubled, tortured guy, though, yeah. right? Like in terms of the pain endurance, like he heals, but he feels. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's what I love about Colossus as well, the tortured artist of that right uh, storyline. But you know, I just think there's a way to establish, I guess if we were to go back into like the old days of the RKC, there's a way to establish order and discipline and still be super friendly and accommodating at the same time. It's all of like, what tone are you going to set to create your expectations? And there's many ways to do that. Right. So everything we do at the speakeasy, first and foremost, is just to make, I'm not going to lie, aesthetically is to make me happy. Like that's it. Because if, if this isn't a place that I want to be, and I, I just have no interest in being a part of it. Right. No, man. I mean, I connect with that so hard when I first started, you know, seeing your social media stuff. Uh, there was something about that aesthetic quality that was really for me, nostalgic, but also really intriguing to me, you know, um, kind of captured this idea of street art and skateboard culture and in everything. And that, you know, for me, I wasn't a great skater. Uh, I was too afraid to get hurt, but like, I could do okay. I could hold my own yeah. a little bit, you know, um, in comic books. So it all kind of just spoke to me in a, a little bit different, you know, the new shirt design that you're going on, same thing, you know, Thank you. Um, yeah. you know, that's why I loved your, your interview with um, kettlebell gains apparel, because I was geeking yeah, out, just listening to you to geek out about that. And I was like, I, you know, and my brother, you know, he did graffiti art, uh, used to tag all around in Boston and things of that nature. And, you know, somewhere there's a picture of me as a 10 year old holding up a spray can, pretending that I'm, I'm doing this huge piece. Um, so it's really awesome and nostalgic and speaks to me on so many levels. Yeah. At some point when the dust, so like one of the things with the Alex podcast was, was during the pandemic in August, we had started selling gear um, because we had no idea when we were going to be allowed to reopen or if we were going to get reshut down again. And I wanted to have an option to justify having a physical space because we were doing well enough online that like the overhead would have gone as to pure, pure profit. Right. And then also like if we closed again, 
how do I get gear into not only my members' hands, but those that need gear? Because we all know, like, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, how hard it became, still is to some degree, but it's gotten a lot better to get gear. Um, So I wanted to try to fill that need. So it's like, make some money, yes, but also like serve a purpose, you know, continue, you know, going off of our mission statement of helping our neighbors. um, It made sense. And when we did it though, I took a big chunk because we weren't open to the public yet, made this nice big retail area of the gym, like a third of it basically. And I was like, this is going to be like the skate shop, Supreme, you know, uh, other music records. Like it's going to be rad. But then you realize like people aren't hanging out and you can't really hang out because it's still pandemic time. Uh, And they're basically like, you know, especially in Brooklyn with kettlebells, they're calling their Uber and leaving right away or they're double parked and leaving. So it was like suddenly like, all the time I made in that space, it went back to full gym. And now it's like one kettlebell rack and stuff in storage that like, (laughs) you know, we sell out as, as as normal, but that is something that like, if we got a bigger space, I would like to have, because, you know, right now I'm like, we're, we're not hanging out in our space. Right. Um, I look forward to being able to do movie nights and stuff um, at some point down the line, but you you need to move closer to me. (laughs) I think, I think that's what we're figuring out. Dude, you gotta, you gotta move closer (laughs) to me. Um, I can't Uh, compete. You know, my sister from another mister is not too far from you. Uh, Weymouth, Massachusetts, Tina Mm. Morin. Um, I used to, I used to work in Weymouth. I lived in. Oh, no shit. Right. Right. Next. Like I teach, I was just out there, uh, what, three weeks ago teaching DVRT first course in a year, which is nuts. It's gnarly. Um, but like, I think like that aesthetic, uh, makes me happy in a really selfish, silly way too. like literally, uh, we have a bunch of Star Wars helmets and, and, and a couple of Marvel helmets and G.I. Joe helmets. And I'll wear them and I'll teach in them sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like part of my, I caught myself having to dust off all these helmets. And I was like, you know, for a moment, I was really fucking happy with myself that if I could go in a time machine and, and go tell high school me that like one day you're going to own your own business. And part of your job description is going to be dusting off your Star Wars helmet collection. You're going to be pretty fucking stoked. That me would never think I'd be in fitness. He'd be like, Jock, what are you doing? Um, But like, you know, so the aesthetic of our place, um, listeners, like hit me up and come and visit, right? We get appointment only, but come and visit. Um, Our four stations, uh, we are, are, you, you could pick Keanu Reeves station, Lizzo station, the RBG station, and Patrick's Swayze station. Um, Ooh, that's a tough choice. It's a, it's a tough one. Uh, and you know, but there's like concert posters, uh, comic book art stuff up There's skateboard decks around. Um, so there's always that, like, if you're nervous, there's something that can take your attention away right. or just get you jazzed. So for me, it, 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 it sort of grounds me and gets me creative. And yeah. that's what all of this comes from is just the creativity. Cause I, I don't know what I'm, I'll be honest. I don't know what I'm doing running a business. Um, I've gotten better at it through this because I've had to, but uh, you know, a lot of it, I guess, is heart, and a lot of it is luck, I guess. But I think the aesthetic goes a long way. If we were to go back, you know, to to what you're talking about, mental health and stuff, it's like you know, it sets a tone that puts people at ease to do difficult things, physically taxing, yeah. difficult things. And with my background with some of the groups and my connections with a lot of like very excellent physical therapists in the city, a lot of our membership comes from like a physical therapy referral. Um, 
you know, where injury is a thing, some of it yeah. new and just recovering. And some of it is pretty chronic and long-term. So like, look, there are mental health aspects of that, but I will also, and I've had these conversations where like, I cannot coach you through the mental aspect of what you're going through right now. Um, and it's a hard conversation because like every trainer is afraid of losing a client because every client counts. I've never met it. You know, yeah. I don't know anybody that really is like grinding yeah. it out on the street. <laughs> you can that's like, yeah, you know, I don't need your money. Bullshit. Um, plus I also think like everyone kind of like what, you know, you mentioned you saw my social media, whatever weird shit I put out. I don't know how anybody's drawn to it other than mirror versions of me, which have yet to come in, but yeah. like it's, it, it, you know, I throw my bat signal up and, and people come. Right. I mean, I got this, uh, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but I got this lovely tattoo here that connects with GI Joe. A storm shadow. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, man. I got the X-Men over here. So I got the X-Men on that one over there. Nice. Um, Wolverine was my second tattoo. Um, we have a couple of, we have a snake eyes helmet and a Cobra commander helmet. Oh, nice. Snake eyes helmet doesn't fit me, but the Cobra commander is perfect. Oh, that's um, awesome. But you know, like, uh, it, it just sets this tone. It sets an atmosphere and then they can challenge themselves and with our personalities on top of it, not just mine, like it's very much a team effort, mm -hmm. um, you know, do good work. And we're just very honest, but like, if somebody has like a serious, you know, like home life job, blah, blah, you know, whatever it might be. It's like, that's the time where I'm like, I'll risk losing you. Cause I'm going to have an honest conversation. Cause I think you deserve it. That like, this is not my thing. Right. You know, if you, somebody comes with me and there's sharp neck pain, this is not my thing. Like I, you need to have that sorted out because I don't want to hurt you. Whereas <laughs> I think too many of us often are like, I need to keep the money. Just, you know, yeah. just don't do the thing with the neck pain. <laughs> neck pain. That's you know, everything. Folks, <laughs> That's neck, everything. Neck pain's everything. Like you can work around a knee and an ankle, a hip and a wrist or something, but like the neck, not so much. Yeah, so, you know, there's those things, but um, everybody's trying to do their best. And the pandemic really has turned the industry in so many ways, not just like, you know, the negative ways of being, um, I don't know how it is in every state, but you know, the gyms, bars, restaurant thing was thrown around for five yeah. months that we were highly problematic with no data behind it. Um, but you know, coaches usually myself included, you know, we would either work at a place full time or do some sessions at one gym, some sessions at another gym, you know, a couple of independents and now everybody's kind of their own brand. Right. So there's like this competition, uh, you know, everyone's more in direct competition with each other on one aspect, but also everyone has this wonderful ability to find their own niche um, and find their own group. Like there's plenty of people that need training. And because we're so weird with our stuff, like I don't think we draw everybody. Um, and that's totally cool. Yeah. You know, it's sort of, pre filters out people that might be a bad fit. Um, and again, I'm not against telling people where to go to be a better fit, you know, like yeah. I'm totally cool. Like if, if our style's not the thing or it's so important, it's so important, down. you know, like that, that connective piece. I tell people, I tell clients that too. I'm like, look, don't feel awkward if I'm not the therapist for you, because it's important that you feel connected to do this work. And if, you know, I make jokes, I wear t-shirts, I, grow my beard out. You know, I try to bring levity in what I do, but I can be super serious about what we need to do too. And, you know, if that matches for you, I'm not the drill sergeant. I'm not yelling at you to like, why didn't you do what we talked about? Um, yeah. 
so be open and I'll, I'll hook you up with someone else. Cause you know, that's, that's the nature of what we do. Yeah. Sometimes um, trying to help people is trying to have, you know, finding the right person to help them when it's not you or I, and right. that's a hard thing. Cause we're always attaching dollar signs. Like, you know, everything we do is a sale is some sort of marketing, you know, yeah. but it's also like, look, they need the proper help. And, and sometimes those people that you take on that are on the fringe of your ability or beyond your ability, or you just can tell the personalities not going to be a great match, but you want the money. Yeah. Usually that's not worth the headache. No, um, you're not it usually serving, comes back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Right? You're not serving them. Well, you're not serving yourself. Well, I'm also on the flip side of that. Like when somebody's a little complicated at first, I am going to take the time to be open and try to work through that. Right because everyone deserves it and we don't know like what they're bringing into the table. Um, but there are points where you're like, you know, I, I don't, I, I've never, I've never had to let a client go per se, but I've had to have some com- like very difficult conversations. Right. That I, yeah. I don't think a lot of us would do. Um, and sometimes it works in my favor and sometimes it doesn't. And then, you know, that's okay. Cause ultimately it works in their favor. Yeah. And, you know, I think sometimes and then you can look at yourself and like, well, I did what I needed to do, right? I, I did my truth and maybe it did come back to me or I didn't get that money, but it's also okay because that's the a value I want to hold. Yeah, you um, don't want to train with a middle-aged Godzilla nerd who's a film major. I get it. You can train <laughs> somewhere else. Who doesn't want that though? That's the, <laughs> that's the crux there. You tell me, apparently a lot of people <laughs> want that. So I got a couple of questions for you before we finish up. Um, and a couple of statements. So I'm going to throw it back at you. You have been instrumental in the pandemic for me of reinvigorating my love for kettlebells. It's been, I've really, you know, I don't have any, like too many diverse uh, ones. I have a nice 20 kg and a, a 22 and I just got a 32 for Christmas, which was re- really fun. It's been fun to kind of play around with it. Um, but seeing you juggling, seeing you, you know, like doing different things and different aspects of that skill-based stuff and not necessarily always going heavier, but doing, um, you know, playing around with it has been really enjoyable for me. So I've been kind of joking around that the pandemic's really been about uh, deadlifting and kettlebells for me, getting into deadlifting because I never really did it. Um, I have a pretty strong bridge though. So it's a nice transition for me to play around with the other side of that. Um, So I want to thank you for that. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with me. I've posted this on your, on, on some of your pictures a couple of times. I haven't got an answer yet. So I I have you as a captive uh, audience. So I need to ask, I don't know if it's a mace, but do you have a D 20 mace? Oh, you did comment on that. I didn't, I don't know if it's like, uh, I'm going to murder the actual name of it. It looks like a D 20. I don't know if it's exactly, it's like a decahedron or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, it might be. It's uh, so, uh, the Sorensons, Bill um, and Stephanie Sorensen make goddess. And I saw that they were making them. And one of the pandemic things that I wanted was um, to make them like, hey, I, can you make me one? Because I'm playing around with these things. And the one that I have is like a really difficult one to use. Um, and they made me one and it was beautiful. It got lost in transit to the point where yeah. they refunded my money, though, because we were like, wow, it's just gone. And then it showed up like eight weeks later or something. Um, so it's, it's beautiful. So check out the Sorensons. I, yeah. I, I wish I had their, um, look up Bill and Stephanie Sorensen on the IG. I don't know their handle right offhand, but beautiful mace, uh, Gata. 
yeah. should say gotta they're gotta um but yeah and it's uh in the speakeasy pink and blue i know i know a lot of people who would buy that a lot of D fans who would be super interested interested bill, in it so bill to... custom made that mold i think just for the shape not specifically because they're anything dungeons and dragons related but i was just like sold like yes <laughs> now that's and... what i've been like trying to hound you to get an answer because i have a brother-in-law who would lose it if, so have them go to the store. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I know you on the recent one where I, no, I, no I, I almost have to apologize because it was the ass shot post, right? <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was like, I don't want him to think I'm, I'm scamming him out, but I kind of. My am. bad. Um, I, I will say this. I, I, I don't love social media. Um, yeah. I love it for collecting and keeping in touch with friends. And like yeah. as we talked about earlier, like seeing who's shining like a positive light, but I don't love it. Uh, as as a work necessity so sometimes i post yeah. something silly and then i'm like i fade out <laughs> well, <laughs> that's fair that's good to I'm know it's like yeah it's up it's up there you, you know whatever nice. dumb shit i'm doing that was <laughs> that that post was the um what did i say like we had we, after assessing our social media practices in <laughs> yeah, comparison yeah, yeah. with top influencers we realized we didn't have enough ass shots but here's the thing that we're talking like i was talking about earlier the thing that cracked me up, like that post got like a lot of play for my friends, you know, like we're never, you know, we're not, I don't have a big following or anything, but it was like funny. I got a lot of play for my friends, but like me in my head, I'm like, that's the eight, that's the ass in Mothra tights of a 48 year old <laughs> skate dad. <laughs> it's just like that idea is hilarious to me, even if nobody appreciates yeah. it. Sometimes but like you, you put content out for yourself, you know? I mean, almost oh. always. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, I think it's the thing, unless we, you know, unless it's a deliberate sales thing. Yeah, where that's more for like us and the team to try to bring money in. Um, obviously, in 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 the services of helping people, like I've gotten accustomed, thanks to Mark Fisher. Like we're always selling. Like we're selling services. Um, I can be very comfortable. We're selling a product. We're selling a service. Uh, but it helps people, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the times in advertising in my previous career, I didn't think we were actually helping people. Right. You know, we were making money. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, it, I, I guess it's a D20. I didn't count right. the sides, but I did buy it because it looked like that. Awesome. Um, it was not lost it. at all. But the Sorensen, that's like Bill's Sorensen. All right, I'll put that on, on my notes. All right, so the two questions that, and these are right up your alley. Um, I'm going to handicap you on one of them though, because I think I know what you would say because it's on your website. So the two questions I always ask uh, our guests are, and you can answer them however you want. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And then the second one is, what do you think your superpower is? And I am going to handicap you with the, you can't say Wolverine's healing factor, because I know that's in your bio on your website. It's literally on my website. Yeah, the healing factor. Um, if I, I don't know, maybe either flight or longevity. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to live forever. But I, I, you know, the live long, be strong, die mighty thing. I want, I want to live a long, healthy life. Yeah. Um. I wanted my, you know, the goal is to resist the decline as, you know, for as, as long as possible. Um. I think that would be why, because the the healthier, the longer I am, I, I could stay here mobile. The more I'll get to see, you know, be with Kim and see the kids grow. Right. Um. So it takes me back to that original strong parent thing. Um, the whole goal for me as a trainer, and, and, and I've said this a bunch, is, you know, fat loss and strength and all that are really valid, like maximal strength or valid quests. But like, I want you to be 90 at Disney with your great grandkids and not need a scooter. Yeah. Like, that's really my goal. Um, 
there's no mirrors at the gym. We haven't used our scale once. We have, you know, our members stick with us. You know, we're, I, I'm not like openly saying we're a body positive ally. It just, it just formed into what we are. Yeah. You know, there's very sick, thin people. There's very sick, strong people. There's very mobile, quote unquote, unfit people. And then there's immobile, strong people. Like there's just such a wide variety that like, I want you to be able to go and skate. I want you to be able to go and play. I want you to be able to pick up your kids. I don't want you to need a scooter for as long as possible. Um, look, shit happens. That's like real damage and things happen. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it happens because a lot of things happen to a lot of people because we just stop moving. Right. I think the pandemic proved that, that that's a really, especially locked indoors, stopped moving. And, you know, I don't know what that turns into next, but like, you know, as a, as a lot of gyms closed, not just because of finances, but because they saw the pandemic future as online only the speakeasy stands as the complete contrast of that, that I think as much as we're going to continue to serve our members online, if they choose to be there, people need to be moving in front of other people. They need to be in a space, a shared space with people. We're not meant to be potted like that. Um, And I think that's really important, you know, because there are times still where I'm like, we're nailing it. And for a while, you know, the indoor stuff was like very slow. Now we're picking up again um in a very exciting way actually so i I, you know i don't know where i went off on that but yeah (laughs) uh longevity longevity not 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 not, i don't want to be immortal but like double life like i don't know put me on like i don't want to be like yoda old all right but maybe like an aragorn aragorn Aragorn. yeah so no connor mcleod no i don't want yeah there there can be many they don't need to be one return of the king style okay yeah Okay, gotcha. This is a good place. And what do you think your superpower is in, in real life? That's a hard one. I don't know. I think if there's something, this is hard because like I, you know, it's funny. I can come across like I'm like super confident on stuff, but I'm it's, it's, it's super hard. Yeah. I I, th- I think the thing that I'll say now is that like I'm passionate about it and like I can dork out on what I'm passionate about. I think that's what got me where I was going. I'd say now, I think the members and other coaches, you know, cause I've been very blessed to be able to work with a ton of coaches through these other systems and stuff is people, when you hear this podcast or you come into the gym or you come into the cert or you come into, you know, hang out at a bar, it's the same me. Right. So I'm not, I might joke around about something or I might use more curse words or, I don't know, sense of humor might change, get a little grosser or something, you know, (laughs) uh, among closer friends. Yeah. But I've never put up, I don't put up this wall. And maybe that's like the ego chat we were talking about. Like, I mean, there's a junior trainer at your local gym, franchise, big box gym now, crushing somebody that walks around with a high Instagram account because they're just, you know, nailing their sessions. Their members love them. We will never know their name. They will never have a million followers on Instagram, but they're crushing it. And I always remind myself of that, that like when I teach a course, I'm there for them. They're not there for me. You know, they're learning a system that somebody else is trusting me with to deliver the information on. And I take that. And I think that maybe, I don't know what that would be as a term, but that you kind of know what you're getting 
Yeah. Um, or at least there's no front. Transparency. Maybe the power transparency. of transparency. Maybe. Yeah. I like that. Maybe that's it. Without being invisible, is I will tell <laughs> you when I'm stressed, um, which is a lot during pandemics and opening yeah. a new business. But I, I think maybe that's it. Um, awesome. Yeah. And maybe optimism. I've learned like I was never an optimistic guy. So I mean, I don't know to pick one, either transparency, <laughs> optimism or passion. Oh, um, lis- listeners, this is the first podcast where you get to choose your own adventure. So yeah. follow the lead, pick one of those uh, for Coach Fury and uh, let's find out where that goes. <laughs> yeah, that's a well, hard one. Yeah. If you took away my, my, you know, I don't know, without it being a superhero power, that's yeah it's a very reflective and deep steve i use that in session with with kids a lot and and it's meant to be a hard one because i want them to become uh introspective on you know not just um why they're here or what's wrong but really what strengths they have and a lot of kids have a trouble but over a couple sessions we can get back to it and they they can answer it a little bit better so cool well that's a that's a good one well sir i'm honored and appreciate you and everything you do thanks for making the time for me and, Dude, thank you. Listeners. Thank you so much for having me on listeners. I, I hope you got something out of it. Um, I hope we didn't talk about the Snyder cut too much. <laughs> um, thanks for, thanks for listening. I always appreciate when someone has to hear me talk. <laughs> thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean project.org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean project, or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at the Promethean project.org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends, like our posts on social media and Instagram and on Facebook, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to. Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.